Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey, welcome everybody. We're so glad you're with us today. Uh, this is uh, the third week of Advent, and Ben Hendricks and I are still in the studio. We can't get out of here, but it's so much fun. Um, ben, I was thinking this morning uh, about reading Narnia. You remember the, the, the Narnia, which, in all honesty, I haven't re- even read all of them. Really? <laughs> I've read most oh, of them. Oh, man, these I are classics. Re- but, you know, let's just narrow down a line the Witch in the Wardrobe. Okay. Uh, when you read that as a kid, or even the first time you read it, I think you read it on the level of story. I just think it's a great yarn about children and talking animals and wicked witches and all that good stuff. And it just, it just draws you in. It's true. It doesn't take long until you also read it, not only on the level of its own story, but on the level of the grander story. Because it, it's like there's themes mm. in there. There's hidden truths in there that seem to bubble up in this magical world of Narnia that we recognize from elsewhere in our lives. Themes of fear and danger or longing and hope treachery and betrayal, sacrifice, and even this theme of like deeper magic that does undoes everything mm. wrong. I mean, you, everybody knows about this kind of stuff. There's a draw in us to read Narnia in these terms too. Like nobody tells us to. We don't take a course on how to read Narnia, but just these themes bubble up, a deeper magic, a longing, and a hope, mm. a grander story. Where does that come from? Well, then, I don't know if you've done this, but I did this. Go back to Narnia after years away from it. And now you've lived some of life and you've endured hardships and lost loved ones and learned about the world and longed for something better. And you know more about Christ and his love for us. And you read Narnia again. And now you see the gospel story all over the place. Like Aslan isn't only a lion. He's the Christ figure. And mm-hmm. Edmund, Edmund is, isn't only a jerky brother. He's <laughs> me. <laughs> And I'm as doomed as Edmund is by my own treachery. So Narnia, kind of, you can read it on several layers. And, and I don't know if a lot of people read it at Christmas or not, but it's just fascinating to me. It's a, it's a layer of a great story that captures the imagination of a kid. Mm. It's a story, it's a level of a true myth that draws a seeker into deeper pondering. And also it's a gospel reflection hidden in there that demonstrates the truths of God's victory. Amen. But I am going to stop you real quick just because I, I do wonder if somebody listening right now is going, what in the world does this have to <laughs> do with Advent? about Narnia. Yeah. I didn't know Narnia was about Christmas. Always winter and never Christmas. Hey, it is in there. Well, <laughs> well let me try to help everybody out. And because I agree with you, I, you know, the Christmas season really is filled with I think Narnia-like things, right? Like, I mean, just those things that you were mentioning, things that have meaning and blessing on the surface level, but also can invite, I think, someone into deeper mm. uh, thought or pondering and, and, and ultimately can serve as a signpost, just as you said, a signpost of the gospel itself. Like these little things that we notice on the, like while we're reading or we and notice on Christmas and, we, and they make us think more, like, where did that come from? Why do we do that tradition? Like, why is that thing here? And the Christmas season is absolutely filled with so many of these customs and traditions. I mean, they're everywhere. I think we're just often too busy to notice them. Mm. Even as we do them all. Yeah, amen. (laughs) Uh, And the truth is they are filled just and find their root in, Mm. like, in Christ. Mm -hmm. And for this, like, we just, you can think of Narnia. And so the question is, which, which level am I experiencing all these things on? And which level are my friends? And, 
And, and how, do, how, how can we help them go deeper as we're starting to think about all these little, these little places in which these traditions and, and customs are, are bubbling up at this time of the year? Because the truth is, there is there's just something special about this time of year, mm-hmm. where again all these customs, all these traditions, all these habits, all these all of our schedules kind of resemble these really cool, these really cool things. And so, what I think what we want to do is walk through a bunch of Christmas traditions and customs, and and kind of show the little hints or the echoes or the glimpses of each of them and how they point to Christ or how they, they, they really they resemble him in some ways or, or, or his church or what he's called us to. I love how Jonathan Edwards back in the 1700s talked about shadows mm. of Christ in the world. Yep. Uh, and, and we don't, we, we usually think of Jesus as light and casting out shadows, yeah. but, but shadows or echoes or glimpses. So all the Christmas traditions, customs, and that kind of stuff that we see, where are there glimpses of Christ in them? Now, before we launch into them, because I think this, this is really fun. Like we've yeah. had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, before we launch into them, I think it helps for us to remember two things. It's, in, and interestingly enough, two C words, <laughs> Christendom and commercialization. So let me just like hit both of those so yeah. that it, it orients us as we walk through this. Western culture for the last 1,000, 12, 1,300 years has been known as uh, a culture of Christendom. That is where the official acts and observances and holidays and rhythms all find their root in the Christian story. Never, never, never have we ever thought that every European and North American uh, for the last thousand years has been a Christian. Mm. (laughs) Like, never. Or that America is a Christian nation in the sense of everyone is saved. We've never thought that. But Christendom is the term we use for the West that has derived its practices from a Christian worldview. And you can see that because Christmas, this thing on December 25th, is a national holiday. Political states have made it a national holiday in an overwhelming number of countries. Interestingly enough, including in a lot of African countries that used to be European colonies. Mm. Like they kept that part of it. Um, But it's really because as you look all through Europe and then Canada and the U.S., Australia, New Zealand, it's this thing called Christendom. Now... Why do we say that? Until about 75, 80 years ago, Christmas really was just, though it's a national holiday, it was really primarily a religious holiday, a faith holiday, a Christian holiday, even though it had national sanction here in uh, Christendom, which leads us to the second factor called commercialization. (laughs) So over the last 75 years or 80 years or 100 years, we have seen a severe diminishing of the Christian purpose and influence in the, in the public mind of this thing called Christmas and an astounding meteoric rise in the thoroughly secular view of it. Well, why? Where did that come from? How did that happen? Well, uh, you know, you could probably count on five or seven different things, um, but A couple of them are this. Number one is, over the last hundred years, we've seen an amazing growth in this thing called the advertising industry. (laughs) I I, I mean, just seriously, (laughs) like absolutely everything in our world in the last hundred years has been commercialized. How could Christmas escape? And marketing has transformed our worldviews uh, really in ways it might take 10,000 years in glory to undo Mm. (laughs) As, as I'm just bombarded with ways that I can make my life better with one simple click of this button to get this product. I always believe it too. I mean, you know, the the marketing (laughs) of desire has morphed 
each of us into the me monsters in the yeah. world in the words of that uh, great cultural philosopher brian regan <laughs> we're all me monsters now we want we want new we want more we want bigger we want better i mean that's just what it is from substance too shiny yeah <laughs> i mean that's where it is now advertising and marketing have actually a tremendous help and and there's a purpose for them it's it's all part of god's given gift because if you have a product or a service how do you get it out there mm. but it, it goes overboard when you know we may oh that's where my meaning is going to be found so here's why it's trouble for christmas and this is kind of the last thing christendom and then commercialization here's yeah. why it's trouble because when that which has meaning is competing with that which has shininess, <laughs> the shiny wins every time. It does. And you so the commercialization right. of it and the, and the, uh, is what's going to happen every time. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think a clear example of that is just how I saw Christmas growing up. I mean, it was so much more about presence than it was, you know, his presence kind of thing. Right. Like, yeah, we would. It, that was probably the only times I would ever really go to church, go see my grandmother sing on Christmas Eve and all that stuff. But it was just, well, can we get this done to go get the presents? Yeah, that kind yep, of thing. Yeah, the commercialization. Did you open Christmas Eve? Uh, I my we had two. Oh man, with my we, it's like the promised land. I know it was the best, and the best was Christmas Eve because you knew you still had Christmas Day. <laughs> Anyways, so I I find this really helpful. Uh, you know, Christendom commercialization. Christendom kind of helps us understand why Christmas is even a national observance and holiday. Uh, but in commercialization, why, Christianly speaking, it's a kind of a hollow shell of what it once was mm -hmm. in culture. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we, we definitely see that. Uh, so let, let's kind of walk through, if we can, just a bunch of Christmas traditions or those customs and that we, we, we kind of talked about a little bit and remind us of how they echo or glimpse Christ. Uh, just as you were saying from Jonathan Edwards, just shadows of reality, mm. sometimes a little bit of heaven seeping yeah, in. Absolutely. Uh, signposts to the destination in which we're, in which we're headed. Uh, let me start first okay. with one that I think is the, probably the closest to my heart and my absolute favorite. Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> I, no? <laughs> well, I was going to say the Christmas tree. Okay. All right, all right. Well, maybe the elf is on the Christmas tree. Hey, I, how in the world did the, even the elf on the shelf happen? I don't... That's, that's next year's podcast. Okay, yeah. I don't have any content on that. <laughs> uh, I always rebuke that. Uh, okay, anyways, the Christmas tree. It, it kind of it started around uh, in Germany in the 1500s. Uh, and I mean, that's where the first documentation we have of, of that, of commemorating Christmas with a small evergreen in the house. Now, a lot of people, I mean, probably smaller trees at the, that time. Who knows? <laughs> everything right? was smaller. Yeah, then. everything, yeah. <laughs> And so there, like, there have been public trees. Uh, I mean, I, you mentioned this one not too long ago, that one of the, the Baltic states lays claim to the oldest public square-based Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. or, or, I forget if it's Latvia or Lithuania. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I should know two. that. I'm part Lithuanian, you know? But, then uh, it was Lithuania. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll claim it. You know? But it's in Germany that we first see Christmas, or Christians uh, bringing Christmas trees into their home. Mm -hmm. So, and, and then this is brought to America around the 1800s by guess who? German immigrants. Are you also German? Uh, Hendrix, I don't claim. Hendrix, oh, I, no, I, I actually don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> and so this this was then popular popularized uh, in the English speaking world around the 1800s again, uh, when because Queen Victoria was married to a German, right? Yeah, Prince Albert. Yep, and he always had a Christmas tree, and you know. 
He got his way. <laughs> Don't tell Victoria. Don't tell the English. I, I won't. <laughs> the Germans always get their way. So why Christmas trees? Why evergreens? Why does any of this matter? But I think it's because the evergreen part of the tree, because it's always mm. alive. Mm. It's green all year long. It's, again, always alive, just like Christ. The scent of the pine or fir, maybe even, bringing freshness and newness into the home. But I think here's the major one. It's the idea of the tree of Calvary, Christ in a tree. Hmm. And Calvary can never be far away in our minds that we bring that in and we remember the tree that Jesus hung on. I do want to make this real quick comment. Uh, I think we can often, some of us will struggle with whether or not bringing in a tree and hanging lights on and ornaments can feel very pagan at times. And I, I don't think that it is. I think it absolutely, like there is no doubt that evergreens were once used in various winter solstice festivals Mm -hmm. in pagan lands in history. Like, I'm not trying to say that didn't happen. I mean, there's only so many trees out there they can use. (laughs) (laughs) Especially that time of the year, right? Yeah. And so I think the problem is we, we don't have to worry about just because one thing was used this way, that we're using it in a different way. And that, that means the same thing. It doesn't. If you're bringing in a tree and it's helping you and your family celebrate the Lord and it reminds you of the cross and reminds you of the tree, it reminds you of his evergreenness and mm-hmm. that Christ is alive. Mm-hmm. Fresh and scented. That's not pagan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the Christmas tree. I'll defend it. <laughs> so it's not an Asherah pole. Yeah. No, <laughs> no I think that. I heard that. Uh, some guy said that. Was, I'm like, man, <laughs> you poor kids. But anyway. Uh, lights on the tree. So we don't just yeah. put a tree in our corner or in the middle of the room. Because that would be weird. Yeah, yeah, That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> so then we put lights on them, and everybody puts lights on them. In fact, you bought us our lights this year because we went and got LEDs, and they were too bright, and I felt like I was in the hospital. It was like, oh, this bright fluorescent glow. Yeah, and I had to be, like, be off like two old women for them, you know, just so we could celebrate the Lord. I know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Those poor old ladies. They, they're going to be fine with the LEDs. <laughs> Uh, but lights on the tree, like e- even even this, you know, the idea of filling your home with light during this season. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that there's a tree, but, you know, we're, we're putting lights. Uh, and, and I think, by the way, there is a legend, because <laughs> everyone <laughs> tries to baptize everything. Everyone tries to bring legitimacy to everything. There's a legend of Martin Luther walking through the forest and seeing the stars through the, the, sh- the boughs of the pine trees. And he's like, aha, I'll bring candles on our Christmas tree at home. I'm like, that just might be a preacher trying to. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) so maybe, maybe not. But uh, thankfully, we're not all putting candles on our trees, but now they're real lights and fire safe and all that kind of stuff. But the point is, isn't this also a beautiful little hint of Jesus that there is a light-filled focal point in your house, in your Mm. den, in your living room, or or maybe two or three of them if you have a big house. Uh, And that's a great thing. But do you do you see the gospel there? A light-filled focal point. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, I kind of think it's cool. But I okay. So the next one, the one that the I like how you gave me this one because this is one's a simple and easy one, right? <laughs> the star, the star or angel on the top of the tree. I'm trying I to love, get you to be an angel. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like this this can be divisive. I think Janessa kind of grew up in a star family. Oh. I grew up in an angel family, oh. and we met in the middle and went with star. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this one just speaks for itself. Like the star is a reference to the star mm-hmm. of Bethlehem, yeah. which guided the Magi from the east. The angel on top points to the angels in the night sky, announcing to the shepherd their birth. I mean, 
This one's Whichever clear one. cut, yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't think there's a better or worse <laughs> one. Uh, I, I guess maybe now I can say the star is better. Uh, but think about it, the star, the angel on the top of your den for weeks at Christmas. Like, what an incredible thing to be able to mm-hmm. look. Like, we get to look to our tree every night and just look to the star as the magi look to the stars. Yeah. Like, yep. what an incredible thing to just get to share with. What else? And I love how it spills outside so that we're all decorating the outdoors of our house. That's true. Yeah. So there's lights and and maybe often a nativity scene every once in a while. Santa is at the nativity scene <laughs> on your front lawn. But anyway, uh, but I love that, you know, at this time of year, you go for a walk. And of course, it is dark out at, you know, 530 or yeah. whatever. So true. you go after dinner walk is uh, is dark. But you get to see a brightly lit and festive neighborhood and we have not ever decorated our houses this much uh, any other season of the year, with the exception of the last couple of years with Halloween decorations, which isn't that interesting of all the other times our culture would want to decorate. It's the, you know, the, the night to darkness kind of thing. Yeah, right. And orange lights and all that. And so it's fine. It's fun. And uh, jack-o'-lanterns and stuff. But to me, you know, okay, fine. But not very many people do that. But everybody seems to put on a little bit extra at Christmas and whether mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, you know, on the evergreen tree outside or on your gutters or on your thresholds or your door, wreaths on the door. I mean, it's just fun. And so you walk, you're walking down, especially up north where there is snow, you're walking down the street in a winter wonderland. <laughs> it's really a lot of fun. It's not always as magical when you're walking out and it's still 65. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not. Okay, here's another one. Probably my second favorite one right behind Christmas tree, gifts. Oh, yes. <laughs> Again, growing up, I, I love gifts now. And you know, the good reminder is we're not, we don't give gifts to keep up with the Joneses or to, mm-hmm. to compare across the street or see what your friends have or so you can check Instagram and see what everybody else got. We give gifts as a reflection of the gift that God gave us. Mm-hmm. Like the Father gives gifts, He yeah, loves giving His children yeah. gifts. And it's just one of the coolest things to be able to give gifts, to re- also to receive to them. To receive them is good. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. Amen. We imitate our Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. I mean, that's yeah. John three sixteen. Like gifts, like again, right? That like thanks to commercialization, they've become a place for the me monster, like <laughs> right. where, right. you know, you have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and... You're just look, always looking forward to both or whatever. And you're whatever. checking off your list. Like, wait, I didn't yeah. get this one. No, I asked it for this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And I always yeah. started yeah. off yeah. with the big stuff and the top ones I knew I'd never get. But anyways, the act of giving, like with love for someone, mm-hmm. that you actually care about the thoughtfulness of what their needs are mm-hmm. and that you want to meet them. And like actually trying to have to go out there and find stuff that you want to get just for them. Like this is an absolutely beautiful thing. And a, I think a godly reflection of the Lord. That's a good point. Like, I, I, I just love that stuff. Like, the idea of it, it's one of the reasons I love this time of year of just, I like getting people gifts and like the good stuff that maybe they wouldn't have gotten themselves. Wait, do you know my size? I, well, not on that, no. <laughs> Anyways, what's, what's another one? Well, I was even thinking of like, so I remember, we don't, we actually don't do it at Grace on staff, but I remember other places I've worked where we did like a little secret Santa. And yeah. I, I think it's maybe with a larger staff. You, you do secret Santa and make it a little easier. But you can tell the difference between, you know, that guy who just gets a $20 gift card because he doesn't care about the person he got, whose name he's gotten, yeah. um, versus the person who knows her coworker well and knows what, she, and she finds exactly the right little thing for her mm-hmm. house because she just knows her coworker and the secret Santa. And like, that's so much more 
of a, of a beautiful thing than the $20 gift card. You know, cold hard cash is just not that exciting, although I'll take it every time. Yeah. But the, the gift that really meets, um, I just love that, even that little secret Santa tradition, mm-hmm. which actually, Santa. What do we do with Santa? <laughs> I'll let you touch this one. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> oh, the big fat man <laughs> in the red suit, the interloper, someone coming in our house every night. One of our kids was a little bit scared, the idea of some stranger coming in the, in really? the house. You know? I, I always thought he just delivered Cokes. <laughs> well, surely Santa Claus is the triumph of commercialization <laughs> over Christianity. <laughs> no gospel there. Well, Santa Claus, Santa Claus... St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, old St. Nick, jolly old St. Nick. Um, and there is this story, and it, it really, it's the root of, of uh, Bishop St. Nicholas, Bishop Nicholas in, in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey. And, you know, by the way, he, was, he helped defend Christendom. He helped defend Christianity against Arius and the, the heresy yeah, of Arius. Yeah. So, so Nick, which I like to call him, uh, he yeah. is a great guy. He became a saint afterwards, so St. Nick. But he was a great pastor, a great shepherd, a great um, uh, bishop in his area, and he found tangible ways to help folks in need who were going through hard times, <laughs> and he figured out how to do it anonymously. And tradition, again, this is not scripture, but it is in church history. Tradition is that um, as folks would hang their stockings out to dry because they don't have tumble dryers, he would kind of sneak through and, at night and drop a little coin in the ones that he knew you know, in the household where there was, you know, maybe a new widow or something mm. and, the, and the father had died or things like this. And so gifts to help you in need because your stockings are being hung by the chimney to dry. I mean, I'm telling you, you kind of <laughs> see a little bit of St. Nicholas here. Uh, the, the Santa Claus phenomenon with the red suit and the, and the big fat jolly and all that kind of stuff with the white beard, that's really more of a last 100, 150 years uh, phenomenon. Okay. You know, the, the poem, I in my kerchief and she in her cap or whatever, and all late sure, yeah. the winter's nap. And then, and then Coca-Cola in World War II, <laughs> they really slammed Santa Claus. They got him to be the biggest thing ever to sell the Coke. So the two of those things, uh, but really St. Nick in the long term, he's a great guy. Yeah. So let me, let me put you on the, the hot seat here. And I'm, for everybody listening, he's not prepared for this. So just get, get ready. <laughs> oh, this ought to be good. Yeah. Uh, so I grew, again, growing up, I just huge heart for Christmas and Christmas stories and kind of the magic of Christmas, right? And so this is my daughter's first Christmas, right? All she'll be. You're going to put her in the stocking? I, she's about <laughs> she the size. She, she might, it might sag a little bit. And so I grew up with Santa, looking forward mm-hmm. to the stories, yeah. loved it all. Janessa didn't. And so one of the things we've yeah. been kind of talking with and wrestling with is, and I, and I can I can go either way and fine, is, you know, is Santa worth having? Is he, right. like for our family, is, is it good? Maybe it's bad. Maybe it is really good. Like, what what do you think? What, well, now what you're pitting you me against Janessa and yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're putting right? me in the middle of a marriage question. So which one of us do you <laughs> like more? Let's talk about this next Christmas <laughs> when you settle it. <laughs> well, uh, I grew up with Santa as well. We're in yeah. and, and a strong Christian family. So that's interesting because Janessa, I know, comes from a strong Christian family. Yep. And her folks love the Lord and have led their kids to grow up in the Lord. And uh, and likewise with mine. And and my folks had fun with Santa. So they they just, you know, we kind of played along. They played along. They never lied to us. Mm. And when we would question, they would say, well, what do you think? Kind of like just a little... Just leave it with the magic and the mystery, a little bit yeah. Narnia-esque. You know, could that really be? 
Because I remember doing that. Can, how can he get to every house? Like I started doing the math, <laughs> you know, when I was about two. I was very smart. Uh, no, <laughs> when I was 17, finally. Uh, so my, my mom and dad never, ever, ever lied to us about him. They would just kind of put it on us and, and then leave it. Well, what do you think? Hmm. They also never used Santa as a way to get us to behave. Hmm. Well, if you don't get in bed now, Santa's not coming. Or if you oh, watch the naughty list and the nice list like for three weeks before. Like mm -hmm. they never did that. They did not manipulate us. So that was helpful. That was really helpful. Um, my, one of my brothers-in-law also didn't celebrate Santa. And they, you know, they as, as kids. Yeah. Um, and so when, when my sister and him raised their kids, they celebrated Santa, but even with more of a wink and a nudge than my parents did. Okay. So that the kids wouldn't have you know, the possibility of a crisis of faith. Okay. And they were able to have a lot of fun with them and they left the cookies out for the Santa and the carrots for the reindeer and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but everybody knew it was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and we're having fun. So, yeah. you know, I think there's several different ways you can do it, but I don't think ever uh, there's a call to lie or manipulate mm. <laughs> in the in the, in the purpose of a, of a made-up cultural character. Yeah, makes sense. You know. All right, how about a couple more? Okay, yeah, let's move on from it. Yeah. No more. <laughs> uh, friends and family. You know, I mean, another glimpse of, of Christ and, and the gospel. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's just interesting. Like, all throughout the year, we're, we're just so pulled in so many directions. But it's mm. during the Christmas season, we just make time to get together. Yeah. I mean, just the little parties, the little hangouts, the things you were like, man, that's such a waste of time. I would never go to that. You put a little tinsel and a little Christmas tree and lights and, and the good and the right food, everybody. And, you know, we show up. Yeah. There's just something about the season. It's like the season reminds us that people are the most important part of our lives. Like relationships actually matter because they do. And even the introver introverts among us get invited to things. <laughs> and we get to even come out and see the presence of others. <laughs> That's a good point. That is a good point. And, you know, even those, 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 that part of the clan that you really don't see, but it, you get nope. to see them kind of at Christmas or, or maybe Thanksgiving or the holidays, but this, this sort of end of the year holiday. I think also celebration, marking an occasion, parties, like every office has an office party. And, and oftentimes it'll be, my, my friend does, um, I can't remember the name of it now, but her neighborhood, like, and they gather on the driveway of somebody in the neighborhood up in Washington, DC. Mm. And it's just a time to be the presence of Jesus with with hot chocolate and hot toddies. I don't know what they do yeah. up there. They're Lutheran. They might do everything. <laughs> but the idea of marking an occasion, this is very godly. All the way through, I was just reading in Leviticus in my quiet times, um, like the feasts and the feasts and the feasts and yep. the feasts and the Day of Atonement. Like all the way through, God wants us to mark occasions in yep. our lives. And I think this rhythm of that, it, it too is a godly thing. And of course, Easter and Thanksgiving, we do all these things and some national things like Memorial Day and July 4th. Awesome. But, you know, even in the marking of occasions and the parties and the celebrations, that's yeah. a, there's a glimpse of the gospel there. And you just mentioned another one that makes sure that if somebody may have missed, I mean, f just feasting, food, Ooh. Ooh, yeah. one of the best parts of Christmas, right? Like the food is so good. Yeah. We all get to come together and we get to eat. Like rich food, good food, delightful food. <laughs> What's your I, favorite? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm such a ham guy, like a meat guy. Is ham meat? Uh, it depends on who's <laughs> cooking it. <laughs> I think that uh, the feast and the food is such a foretaste of heaven. You know, the great uh, banquet in yeah, which we yeah. feast together and sit with, you know, the, all of God's people and just worship the Lamb. I love that. I love it. 
Yeah. Charitability. Okay. Like let's go a little bit out of the home into an abstract concept. But at Christmas, everyone is more charitable, more generous, more giving. You know, nobody wants to be Scrooge. And yeah. we only know about Scrooge at Christmas kind of it's, thing. Yeah. You know, like the God bless us, everyone. Um, but even Giving Tuesday, which we had a few weeks ago. And, and this is a new cultural phenomenon. Like we didn't have this 20 years ago that I know of. And I think it's because of social media and Giving Tuesday. And it's a way. But even in our culture that everyone loves to say, oh, it's getting so secular and it is. Yeah. But here's yet another way the gospel is peeking through in a different avenue that people 50 years ago didn't even know about or hear about. The mm -hmm. idea of, hey, let's as a culture be generous on the Tuesday after November, starting out the last month of the year, the Christmas season, Giving Tuesday. I, I mean, that's one way, but this idea of charitability at Christmas, generosity, uh, remembering those less fortunate, like we are thankful for our blessings and remembering, you know, the tiny Tims out there. Yep. Those who are less fortunate. And, and I, don't, I don't mock that. I say that's a great thing. Yep. And right in line with that, I mean, just this idea of goodwill towards men. Like, I mean, look, good moods. Yeah. Most of the time throughout the year, it's perfectly okay to not be okay. And you just get to go on and do your <laughs> life. But like during Christmas, it's not okay. Where's the Christmas cheer? Come mm -hmm. on, Grumpy. Come on, Scrooge. Mm -hmm. Come on, Grinch. Yeah. It's not okay. But yeah. I think there's something kind of good in this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, last one. Um, and, and you might have, if you're keeping score at home and you're like, well, wait, what are they going to say? Christmas carols mm. as, as distinguished from Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs> Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, all that kind of stuff. But Christmas carols that come out of the church, hark the herald angels sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, I cannot tell, O come, O all these things, rich with uh, meaning and depth and redemptive doctrine that roots us. You know, I just think these are beautiful, and, and we were frankly could probably go back and forth and just Absolutely. sing three of them now for everybody. I've tried to imitate Josh Groban's A Holy Night. It's not good. <laughs> so, Holy Night, I think you've said this before, that's one of your favorites. It is, yeah. What, what about it moves you? Uh, well, one, Josh Groban's voice, you know. <laughs> but two, just, I mean, just the, like, the, the simple wording of it, like a calling back to that night, that it wasn't just some other night, but an oh holy night i mean the yeah. the stars are brightly shining like this is the night of the dear savior of birth like long lay the lord in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth i mean this thing is dripping with theology it's dripping with worship mm -hmm. of the lord i love that in sin and error pining yeah. we're pining the world is pining and, for something and we're we're mired in sin and error and then these last two a, a thrill of hope mm. that the the weary soul rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn i mean I, I'm always someone who's willing to look forward to hope. And this song is just putting it right out in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And Josh is singing it, and it's on your car radio, and people are going to concerts, and they're hearing it. And uh, truly, he taught us to love one another. His yep. law is love, and his gospel is peace. Like, these things are on everyone's lips if they listen, because they're singing along, and they know kind of half the words, and they're yep. singing the gospel, and they don't even know it. I love it. I uh. just love it. So Jason, trees, lights, feasting, family, gifts, goodwill, mm. so many glimpses of the Lord in this holiday that it like that still bears his name. Yeah. Yeah. Why though why does why does this matter? Well, okay, I mean, I think, you know, people become expectant at Christmas. They mm -hmm. want and, and actually I think that's why we have to minister the gospel in love and good deeds, because so many people are expectant and 
and we're not in heaven yet, and so many people are disappointed. But the point is there's an openness. There's a, there's a willingness at Christmas, kind of like that goodwill everyone, yeah. you know. Uh, that's an open door for us to give pointers to the meaning behind it, to the deeper story mm. that people miss as they live their life, reading kind of Narnia just on the story level instead of the gospel level. They live life on the story level instead of also on the gospel level, that God is at work in our life, in our world. Um, and then secondly, as I've already alluded, people really are hurting at Christmas. I mean, the worst Christmas was the first one after my dad died. Your mom died right after Christmas. And so like you had like 360 days, yeah. you know, and it was still really difficult. It was, yeah. Things aren't whole. And so when people are hurting, they're often more willing to think differently if there's a reason to, if there's love, presence, uh, CE presence, um, <laughs> and, and help from folks who know the Lord and who know what real Christmas is. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So, Jason, thank you so much just for really leading this and walking us through all of these different things. I mean, it was just such a fun thing. Uh, well, it's Advent number three. We're getting close. Come on. We're, it's almost Christmas. It's almost presence time. Uh, guys, thank Feasting. you so much. Yeah, right. <clears throat> thank you so much for uh, tuning in and listening. And uh, we can't wait to, do, to tune in next week for part four yep. as we close up the Advent season. Thanks so much. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.